Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai. As always, super happy to be with you guys again this week for this episode. So we are on episode number 110, and um, I'm going to be talking a little bit uh, more about uh, immunity and kind of just around the time that we're in right now and everything that we're experiencing, um, just for reference, as I am recording this episode and it should release today, it is Tuesday, April 21st. So um, we are well into a month um, of being in this kind of high alert for the coronavirus and this COVID-19. Um, and we are, you know, we've, we've got a lot, there's a lot of uncertainties. People are not sure like what's going to happen next week, next month, tomorrow, you know, what are we going to do? Um, I know that the majority of the country, um, some, uh, states, some areas have already opened back up. You know, we've been in this shelter in place order in most parts of the country. And I know, um, many states, many areas have already opened back up and then many more, I believe pretty much all of the rest of us will be, um, kind of opening up by May 1st, uh, at least in phases. Um, I know many schools have been canceled for the remainder of the year and, um, my children's included. So I have to be honest that I'm not super excited about that. Um, you know, yes, I understand there's a risk of them contracting the virus, which, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into my personal philosophies on that too much, but, um, every flu season there, there, there's always different strains of flus, um, and viruses that we are contracting. Um, many times we don't even know we've contracted them, especially if we have a healthy immune system, because our immune system is going to work to eliminate those viruses very quickly and, um, with little or no symptoms often. Um, so anyway, uh, but man, it's been hard. Um, not only has it been hard to have the kids here, you know, we have five children. I have two elementary age children. One of them is special needs. So that has been quite challenging to, um, try to work full time, try to be a teacher and, you know, a physical education person and a speech therapist and an occupational therapist and, and mom and wife and, you know, take, just take care of all the other things. And I know many of you parents out there are struggling with the same things and, um, it's been hard. So not only has it been hard to do that, but I really feel like my kids are missing out. Um, I, you know, I am just not a good teacher. You know, I can admit that I can be honest about it. I'm not, um, I, I don't like them sitting in front of a screen all day. Uh, either. I mean, I know that they're on screens often at school much more than I would like, but uh, you know, is the world we live in today, but, um, especially at home, they're not getting that interaction as much with a teacher or, you know, the, the work that is done on the whiteboard or the chalkboard and, and the group stuff that they do with their other peers and things like that. So I'm, you know, I'm sad for my kids that they're missing out on that. So the last two months of their school, um, they're not even getting that education. So, um, you know, it's really tough. This is, I know it's a hard, hard thing for many, many people right now and, and many kiddos. Um, I do have a senior as well. And so I'm trying to navigate what the, you know, he's been out of school for the last two months of his senior year. So no prom, um, you know, none of those things that we, most of us have been able to experience and haven't had to give up. Um, and then graduation is coming and there is no graduation ceremony, no last day of school, no, you know, no passing around of the yearbooks for signatures. Like, just think about that. If you had had to go through that as a senior. So that's really tough. And, um, trying to figure out, you know, how are they going to do graduations and, and is he even going to get to walk down the aisle at all, um, to receive a diploma? Like, how is this going to work? So 
you know, it's just a really weird time um, and it can be stressful. And so um, just on kind of the heels of the announcement of the country kind of opening back up and um, whether it be in phases or whatnot, I thought, you know, it would be a good time to really help people understand what they can do to help boost immunity. Because the answer to this, guys, I guess what I'm trying to get at with all my ramblings here about all of this is that it's really not about, um, I, feel like the, I feel like the message we're getting from the media um, and you can agree to disagree with me if you'd like, but, um, you know, this is something that I do a lot of research on. I do a lot of thinking on, um, my education is in health and nutrition, um, and you know, your body's physiology. And I just through my education can tell you that I believe very strongly that the, the message that we are getting through the media of just stay in your house stay away from anybody. Don't, don't be around anybody. Don't have any contact with anybody outside of your immediate family and just sit tight until we have a vaccine and then everything will be okay. It could not be more wrong or more detrimental to our health. Um, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit why I believe that um, throughout this podcast or just kind of give you the, maybe not so much about, I'm just going to basically give you what I know about immunity and uh, our immune systems and the things that we can do to boost our immune systems so that we have the best chance to actually be able to create our own antibodies to this virus to, if we do contract it, um, and we are, and, and you guys listen, the statistics are that 98 to 99% of people will contract this virus. It's just whether or not you either A, are going to know that you contracted it, um, and then when you do, are you going to be able to fight this? Um, you know, the, the goal is immunity to this. So what I really want to talk about today is just explain to you a little bit about how your immune system works, because I think that will help you to understand why just uh, staying home and avoiding everyone and waiting on a vaccine may not be the best course of action and how really helping to to support our immune immune system, which is typically referred to as boosting immunity. Um, but what we can do, what are the specific things that we can do to help boost our immunity, to help support our immune system so that we are strong enough to not only conquer this virus, but any virus that we would come in contact with. Why it's just so important to um, make sure that our bodies are strong enough and all our little soldiers in there are strong enough and can can take care of these infections um, or these viruses, these bacteria that we might come in contact with. So again, I think in order to be able to understand um, how this works and how we can uh, to do this is to better understand the immune system. So I just want to talk a little bit. Uh, I won't go into too much detail because I know some of you may enjoy this stuff and some of you may not. So I'm actually going to get a lot of this information. Um, we studied this as part of my education for as a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, we had an entire um, uh, you know, module that we did specifically on our immune system and, and understanding how the immune system works, because being able to understand how the immune system works helps you to understand the way you should live your life, um, the, the nutrients that you need, you know, why your diet should be a certain way and why you need certain things in your diet, how you need to, um, you know, how stress affects immunity, how sleep affects immunity, you know, all the different hormones that are part of this and um, understanding all of that. So I want to share kind of the big ideas we used to call them or kind of the overarching things in the uh, understanding of your immune system so you can kind of get a little bit better idea. So first of all, in anything that we do as nutritional therapy practitioners, we are always addressing the foundations, um, the foundations to health. And those are, um, you know, healthy digestion is absolutely key to everything. Um, it is definitely one of the foundations that support, um, ha being healthy and, and living the best life that you can is having a healthy digestive system. And one of the things that is key to a healthy immune system and having good immune response is healthy digestion. And that's largely because, because about 80% of our immune function 
resides in our gut. I mean, a lot of people do not know that. So I I realize that most of you listening to this podcast have probably heard me talk about that before. Um, And as it relates to digestive health and gut health and understanding the importance of that in in our overall health, but this is why, 80%. um, And some some studies, some research suggests it's even more than 80%, but at least 80% of our immune function resides in our gut. So, um, and in order to help to strengthen strengthen our immune system, strengthen those defenses, we need to make sure that we don't have, um, we don't have a compromised gut. So we don't have leaky gut. We're not eating foods that are inflammatory. Um, not just foods that we may have allergies to. So not just certain proteins, but just foods that are inflammatory to us, you know, bad oils. That is, that's a, an easy way to get um, digestive issues is taking in these rancid seed oils that are pretty much in any kind of fast food or packaged food, processed food, those types of things. Um, and then there's kind of your typical uh, soy and corn and sugar. Those are all very inflammatory foods. And then for people that have a dairy sensitivity um, or a dairy allergy, those can be very, um, depending on if it's the protein or the sugar, it can be, if it's difficult for you to digest, then that can also compromise your gut lining, which then is going to lead to immune issues. So making sure that we are taking care of the gut is really number one. So, um, as we get into the immune system, so we really have three different lines of, of defense when it comes to the immune system. So we have what's called non-specific resistance or barriers. So these are the things that are meant to stop the entrance of the, of the invader. So like, um, this is going to be things like skin, the mucous membranes, um, saliva, even tears, um, all those types of things. Those are barriers of your immune system. So like your skin, it is part of your immune system. And on our skin, we have, we have a microbiota on our skin. So this is right now on your hands, you have a ton of uh, microbes living there. And part of their job is to fight off the bad guys before they even get into your body, before they actually get inside. And so it's important. This is one of the reasons that I am very vocal against using these commercial hand sanitizers like Purell or these, these sanitizers that um, that are non-discriminative and will, will take out, um, all of the bugs on your hands, the good guys and the bad guys. Um, and they're, you know, they're not working to get rid of just the pathogens. And so, um, I think it's super important instead of trying to just wipe everything out, um, we need to, again, boost the good guys. So there's um, ways that we can do that. And I have talked about that in the way that I make my um, hand sanitizers. And I will actually put the, I'll put a link in the show notes to how I do my at-home hand sanitizer. It's super easy. Um, my family, we call it Hanitizer. And it's basically just an immune boosting um thing that you can put on your hands and will help boost your immunity and help your good guys to get rid of those bad guys before they even get in. Okay. And then we have, um, our second line of defense in the immune system is called the non-specific or the innate immunity. So these are white blood cells and then other bio, you know, bio substances, biochemical substances that are going to, um, give us a rapid response to invaders. Okay. So this is like our surveillance team. They are, um, they, they, if something makes it past the barrier, this is the part of our immune system, um, this innate immunity that is going to um, initiate the attack. It's going to be like, oh, here's a foreign invader, and we are going to send out these uh, these surveillance team. They go, oh, yep, we got one, and then they're going to initiate the attack. Then the third line of defense is what we call the specific or an adaptive or required immune system. So again, the first two are nonspecifics, just a barrier and and an innate immunity. And then our third is the adaptive or required immunity. So this is the white blood cells that actually mount the attack to a specific, to target specific invader um, that escaped our first two barriers, so the so the non-specific defenses. So, and at this stage, we know who the invader is, and we, we they our body knows our immune system knows exactly what the virus is that we're dealing with or the bacteria, um, and it is able to really get after that. So, when we get into that, the adaptive um, or the acquired immune system. 
this is when, so our surveillance system, that innate system, and innate meaning we were born with it, and it's just the natural immune system that we have. Um, so when when that system, those that surveillance team figures out that we have an invader, it deploys um, some troops to destroy these invaders. So we have um, natural killer cells. So these are our lymphocytes. And then we have phagocytes. So these are um, other types of cells that we have like monocytes and um, granulocytes. These guys are going to come out and they are going to um, fight. Um, we also have some other uh, weapons in our in our infantry, which are going to be like we have inflammation. So sometimes when you get sick, um, you'll have an inflammatory response to that. Or um, we have fever. So fever is our body's uh, um, it's the immune system telling the body we have invaders. Heat up and let's kill them off. Um, because our body can handle the heat, but these invaders can't. So um, so that's what fever comes in. And then we have these macrophages, these, these um, uh, that come along. Um, so like with these lymphocytes and phagocytes, we've got these killer cells. Okay, so then... Um, so that is what the, that's our innate system and that's, it deploys all these guys. Then our adaptive or required, uh, acquired, sorry, acquired immune system. These are cell mediated response. So these are the lymphocyte T cells. These are, um, this is when they begin, um, to specifically, um, stimulate the activation of these lymphocytes and these T-cell lymphocytes. Um, and this is when we also get an antibody-mediated response. So these are the B-cell lymphocytes. So lymphocytes are your white blood cells. So these are your T and B cells that are coming uh, coming to the rescue, so to speak. And they create, they're looking to create, these B-cells come along and look to create the antibody to whatever this virus is. So they're basically tucking it away in their memory and they are producing antibodies to, so then the future, when this invader comes back, whether it's COVID-19 or it's um, chicken pox or whatever it is, um, our B cells know what it is. So the next time that they are called upon to come, when there's an invader, they can go, oh, wait a minute, we've seen this one before, we know what this is. Here, let me get the antibodies, we'll get rid of them. And so out come the antibodies, see ya, done, it's over. So there are... Um, so that's our immune system as like a broad overview of the immune system. So the, th but there, what are the things that we can do basically to help support the immune system? So if that's how it's supposed to work. You know, what about when things go wrong or what happens if like in any army, what if your army is sick or they haven't been training and they just don't have the energy to fight they are, um, you know, they're just, they're just under the weather. They just don't feel that good. They don't really want to do their job. They're like slow to respond. You're not going to have a very successful army, right? It wouldn't be that hard for an invader to take out an army that hadn't been staying in shape, hadn't been practicing, hadn't been, um, staying as healthy as possible, right? Like you've got to stay on your toes or an invader will just come and take over. So that is how, that's what we're going to talk about now is how can you boost these things? So the first thing I want to tell you is maybe one of the most important things is to reduce your blood sugar. That is one of the biggest things that we can do to boost immunity. Blood sugar imbalances are huge. They're huge for all kinds of negative outcomes in our bodies, but they definitely are big time when it comes to, um, exposing us or weakening our immune system, I should say. So we get, when we get a stress response, the adrenals actually depress the immune system. So the adrenals are kind of an emergency organ. So when there is something that they need to hop into action for, this is, they are, they are like Johnny on the call for our flight or flight system which you know we've talked about many many times i know i beat this to death on here but um between our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system so parasympathetic is rest and digest and sympathetic is fight or flight so our adrenals are like when we are in that sympathetic state they are like go 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 they're johnny on the spot so when our body gets into that um into that state, then we are going to have um, overactive adrenals. They're gonna be pumping out the cortisol, the adrenaline, um, 
And this is going to be, this is also going to keep our, our blood sugar consistently high. Um, high, you know, consistently high levels of cortisol leads to consistently high levels of blood sugar, which leads to a cascade of all kinds of other hormone imbalances. But let's just suffice it to say that it depresses the immune system um, in general overall. And um, we need cortisol actually to regulate our white blood cell count um, and to regulate the production, the activity of the white blood cells. So um, when we have um, when we have this dysregulated cortisol and, um, and adrenals and blood sugar, then we are dysregulating um, our immune system as well and the white blood count. And remember, those lymphocytes, those white blood cells, those we need those. Those T cells and those B cells, they are going to come out. They're going to fight. They're going to um, create those antibodies. They are going to take the virus out. But if we are suppressing the production of those lymphocytes, um, we could be in trouble, guys. I mean, we do not want those suppressed when we're especially when we're in the middle of a pandemic and we need to be able to call on our army. We don't want our army to be cut in half. We want our army to be strong and full and have as many soldiers as we can on, on board to be able to fight this thing. Um, so uh, let's see. So also when we have, um, when our blood sugar levels are regulated the way they should be, when, when blood sugar is um in the place that it should be when we're balanced, then we are going to be boosting anti-inflammatory properties and anti, um, you know uh, immune response properties. We um, we need to be in homeostasis to be able to do that. If we have excess irritation and inflammation in our body, then we cannot properly regulate the stuff. We just um, everything is going to be kind of all over the place. Um, Let's see. I'm going to see where I wanted to go with this next. <laughs> I get so, uh, I have so much fun, like talking about the immune system and then um, trying to make sure I don't go down any big rabbit holes. Okay. So one little statistic, I know this is where I wanted to go with this. I wanted to give you is, so there is a study and I want to see if I have that study pulled up because I wanted to actually be able to give you the specific study. Where is that? Um, mm, I thought I had it pulled up here. So there was a study. Oh, I'm so frustrated that I don't have that up, guys. I'm sorry about that, but there, oh, I do, here it is. So there is a study out that was from, sorry, give me one second. Okay, the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Um, this study was published, when was this published? This was in November of 1973. So this is not new information. This is not like every doctor out there should not understand this. And this is one of the reasons that I get frustrated that like our doctors on the front lines that are talking to us through the media every day, I could be, you know, maybe I've missed it, but I have not heard one of them mention this. But this study was the roles of sugar in human um, phagocyte, phagos, um, like the production of phagocytes, which, um, so phagocytes are, we talked about here when I was, I think I touched on phagocytes, but basically the phagocytes are, so they are the cells in the body that basically engulf the bacterial waste and foreign particles and things like that. So um, they are able to consume these and get rid of them if we are, they're part of our immune system and um, they will destroy these things that could infect us and cause us issues. And we actually have five different types of phagocytes. So um, they're referred to as neutrophils, monocytes, macrophages. So I think I talked to you guys about macrophages when I was, macrophages when I was um, telling you a little bit about the immune system. And then mast cells and um, dendritic, dendritic cells. Now I forget how to pronounce it. 
that's the right word. Anyway, um, it's I've been out of school a while. So <laughs> anyway, um, so phagocytes are super important for our immune system and being able to go on the attack and um, take these these viruses, these bacteria out, right? So this study from 1973, this research study was carried out just to observe how simple carbohydrates would, and then in this um, study, the it was simple carbohydrates was glucose, fructose, sucrose, honey, and orange juice. So if you guys think drinking some citrus juice to get your vitamin C is going to boost your immunity is absolutely the opposite. It actually takes down your immunity. Um, so this that's interesting, right? Because a lot of people think, oh, orange juice is healthy. I'll drink orange juice every morning. And basically, you're just drinking a sugar bomb, guys. So, um, But anyway, so this research study was um, carried out to find out how 100 milligrams, or I'm sorry, 100 grams of um, of given orally of these different substances would affect phagocytes. So to give you an idea of what 100 grams of these items are, it or 100 grams of the glucose, fructose, sucrose, honey, and orange juice, um, it's one tablespoon equals 12.5 grams. Okay, so one tablespoon is 12.5 grams. So they did this study to see um, what it would do. And after approximately uh, one to two hours, they looked at the phagocyte um, activity and realized that there was a significant decrease in the immune function of these of these phagocytes. They were suppressed. They couldn't do their job. So it's kind of like um, what I think about it is, is it's like, so you have, so these phagocytes are your soldiers, right? These are the guys that, um, these are your soldiers, your line of defense. And they are, it's like if you eat a big Thanksgiving dinner and then you're just like, oh, I don't really want to do anything. All I want to do is lay around. I'm so stuffed. I couldn't possibly eat or fight, you know, eat another thing. I can't get up and fight anything. I could definitely couldn't run. You know, I can't do anything. That's kind of what I think about it as is like you just fed all your soldiers a huge turkey dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, just all the fix-ins, and then in comes the invaders and all your soldiers are sleeping and they just can't even get up and fight. They're just completely taken off guard. And that's essentially what happens. Um, and this effect lasted up to five hours post-feeding. So that means that your immune system is not only impaired, but they, in this study, it showed that it suppressed the, the phagocytes. So they, it literally suppressed them. Like they couldn't even do their job. And they showed that that happened for five hours, up to five hours post-feeding. So that is, um, that's super interesting because that tells you that if you're eating sugar, if you're eating any of these simple carbohydrates, this, this fructose or glucose or sucrose, or even honey, like how many times have we heard that honey is actually immune boosting, right? But as we see from this study, um, that was done so many decades ago, we actually are, we actually know that that's not true. Like it can actually, um, decrease your immunity. Now in relation to certain, um, different pathogens, uh, their effect isn't as strong as toward other pathogens. So, um, you know, some of the substances that were studied have a, you have a worse effect versus a bacterial infection versus a viral infection versus a fungal infection and so on and so forth. So um, it kind of differs, but anyway, suffice it to say that um, eating simple carbs, so any, you know, a lot of packaged foods, prepackaged convenience foods, they're going to have carbohydrate, or I'm sorry, they're going to have fructose in them or high fructose corn syrup. Um, Those are going to be very damaging and, um, and keep you from having the ability to fight off immunity, um, as well as just simple, uh, table sugar and, um, and these other substances. So trying to reduce your amount of sugar intake can be a really great way to help, um, boost your immune system and just give it its fighting chance. Okay. So while we're on, um, ways to boost immunity, uh, talking about things that you can eat, because I do have a couple of other things I want to talk about. But speaking of nutrition in general, um, 
I would like to talk about a few vitamins and a mineral that can be really, a couple of minerals actually, that can be really good in boosting, helping to boost your immune system. So number one that we all think of, I think when we think of healthy immunity is vitamin C, right? So vitamin C is an antioxidant. Um, Vitamin C is essential in helping to neutralize free radicals. Vitamin C um, definitely helps out your immune system. Um, It helps in your blood cells. Vitamin C is also... uh, um, shoot, that just completely escaped my head. What I wanted to say, (laughs) I didn't see one more thing. Um, oh shoot, it'll come to me. But anyway, so vitamin C, um, one of the great things about vitamin C is it is a water. Oh, I was going to say it also helps with the detox. It's essential for, um, the detox pathways. We need to have vitamin C to help us with detoxification. And if we are toxic, then we are going to have impaired immunity, immune function. So, and there are so many toxins today, um, that our bodies are constantly trying to fight the amount of toxins and get rid of the toxins in our body. So making sure that we have enough vitamin C on board is important to be able to do that. And water, or I'm sorry, vitamin C is water soluble. So that means that we, um, that whatever we don't need, we'll just excrete it. And, um, we, it, um, so like vitamin C, we, if you've heard of the term bowel tolerance, I know I've talked about it on here before, um, specifically as it relates to vitamin C. Um, so what we know is that if your body has enough vitamin C and you take more, then your body will excrete it. And often that will show up in the form of loose stool. So you'll notice that maybe your bathroom habits change and you start needing to go to the bathroom a lot or your stool is looser than normal, kind of a diarrhea type thing. Um, And that would tell you that you have reached your limit, your bowel tolerance for your vitamin C intake and that you need to back it down. Um, a lot, there's been a lot of research done. Linus Pauling Institute, of course, is uh, famous for this, um, for the research that was done in regards to megadosing vitamin C and, you know, very high levels of vitamin C daily to help combat things like cancer and viruses and, um, you know, those types of things, getting rid of, um, of errant cells, um, that type of stuff. So, you can, um, you can test this out for yourself, um, what your bowel tolerance is for vitamin C. I know I have um, many times myself taken upwards of 10, 20 grams of vitamin C a day. Um, I am taking a high dose vitamin C now daily. I give my kids a pretty high dose daily. And again, that is just, just help us boost our immune system. And, and I do this every flu season. It's not just during this COVID pandemic. It's Every flu season, we up our vitamin C intake um, for the immune boosting properties. Um, another vitamin that we don't talk a lot about, or people don't talk a lot about um, for immune boosting properties, and in my opinion, it is probably the number one uh, vitamin that we can take for immune boosting, and that is vitamin A. So unlike vitamin C, vitamin A is not a water-soluble vitamin. So we know that A, D, E, and K are all fat-soluble vitamins. So what that means is that we have to have fat to be able to absorb vitamin A, right? So if we take vitamin A on like a supplement of vitamin A on an empty stomach and that supplement does not have um, a fat in it, then we will not absorb that vitamin A. So it's a total waste. You know, you might as well not even take it. And to be honest, a lot of uh, supplements that we take these types of vitamins, um, whether it's um, A or D, K, E, many of those um, vitamins, really mo- many supplements in general, we're, they're definitely not as absorbable as the form that we would find in our food in nature. So, um, because they're perfectly packaged, uh, when we get vitamin A, it's perfectly packaged with fats. So, um, the best sources of vitamin A come from an- animal foods. And this is something I also want to touch on just for a second. And that is essentially that um, whenever we start talking about boosting immunity and the ways that you can do that, one of the, the substances that is often touted as being a great immune booster is beta carotene. Um, you hear about this a lot, especially when it comes to you know immunity, whatever people think about carrots for um, eye health. And the truth is, is that what they're actually talking about is vitamin A. Vitamin A is actually the vitamin that is responsible for those 
for that for that health, for the health of your eyes, bones, skin, immune system, and interestingly enough, for your lungs, which what are we all learning about right now with COVID-19 is that oftentimes um, it is creating problems in the lungs and the, and people's ability to be able to get this virus out of their lungs. It's settling in. Sometimes it's causing um, uh, it's causing a pneumonia, and then that's leading into um, other respiratory issues, um, like a you know these severe respiratory disease uh, or uh, uh, issues that are just causing like immediate respiratory shutdown. So um, these are this is affecting your our lungs, right? Like in our respiratory system. So, but the difference between vitamin A and vitamin B is important to understand because vitamin A is a fat soluble vitamin, and um, and is is it is compromised. It's a group of um, organic materials called uh, compromised of like a retinol, retinol. Uh, retinoic acid, um, and then also there are pro pro vitamin A carotenoids and beta carotene. So what these what the pro vitamin carotenoids are in the beta carotene <clears throat> is they if we ingest those, so we're going to get those from things like um, beta carotene is in the red, orange, yellow colored fruits and vegetables, right? So like the peppers, um, bell peppers, and um, and, um, let's see, uh, sweet potatoes, carrots, you know, those types of things. That's where we're going to get, we're going to see that beta carotene in. And that's great. It's a pro vitamin A. So it's pro that vitamin. But what that means is, is that when we ingest, um, beta carotene, our body actually has to, it has the ability to, but it has to actually convert that into the usable form of vitamin A. So it's really important to understand that, that um, it is a provitamin A, but it has to be synthesized in our body into vitamin A. And the reverse is not true. Vitamin A is not converted into beta carotene, okay? But beta, beta carotene can be converted into um, vitamin A. There's, um, it's just a conversion that happens. Unfortunately, the it's a pretty low conversion. So we have to take in a ton of beta carotene to actually get just a little bit of um, vitamin A. And part of the reason for that is that it's just, um, we don't digest and absorb beta carotene very well. So it makes it where we're really unable to use, we're unable to get much vitamin A from that beta carotene. Um, so vitamin A, again, super important for vision, for immune system, growth and development, um, and all of that. So it's really important to get the vitamin A, um, but the best source of vitamin A, because it is a fat soluble vitamin, meaning we, our body holds on to it. We can store vitamin A. We can also store a, you know, D, E, and K. Um, but we will store vitamin A so we can have excessive levels of it. So unlike vitamin C, where you can mega dose, you cannot mega dose vitamin A. Um, it can lead you with all kinds of issues. You could have, um, obviously nausea, but vomiting, you can, you can cause eye and vision issues, um, hair loss, muscle and stomach pain, um, change in mental status and mental awareness, uh, mood swings, all of those kind of things. So, um, it is, it, it's not good to overconsume vitamin A. So the, that brings us to the best way to get vitamin A is always going to be through natural sources and through our food. So when we look at A, some of the best sources are going to be liver, fish oils, um, uh, raw milk is a good way to get it and eggs. So, and then again, when we're talking about the beta carotene version, we all know the fruits and veggies that we can get beta carotene from. But remember again, that that is not going to be something where we can convert all of that. So to make sure we have the right levels of vitamin A, it's going to be really difficult to actually overconsume it if we're just consuming it in our food. So adding liver in, making sure you're getting your, your fish oil. So even just eating good salmon, you're going to get vitamin A, oysters, you know, making sure you've got good um, fish, good seafood in your diet. Um, and then eggs is an excellent way to get vitamin A. 
Okay, and the next vitamin I wanna talk about is vitamin D. So most of us know when we think about vitamin D, we immediately think about the um, food that we can eat to get vitamin D, right? Which is, of course, milk. Um, And I would say raw milk, if you're gonna get it through milk, um, raw milk is a good way to get it. We can also get vitamin D through fatty fish. Um, Again, like salmon is a great source. And then, um, and fish eggs, so fish roe is a good way to get it. Um, And then just regular eggs, and of course, fish oil. But the other way, and the most important way to get vitamin D is actually getting it through sunshine. So sunshine is the natural way to get it, and it is um, not difficult to get. You don't have to be in the sun all the time. Now, I know through the winter, it can be a little bit more difficult, but um, vitamin D is actually, they call it the sunshine vitamin, and it's actually a hormone. And it is synthesized um, through a reaction in your skin with the sunlight, um, the, the rays from the sun. So being out just 20 to 30 minutes a day, every day, can help you be able to produce the adequate levels of vitamin D that you need. Um, Again, we can get vitamin D toxicity because it is a fat soluble vitamin, so we do store it. Um, so it, you want to, you want to be careful about supplementing vitamin D, um, you know, supplementing too much of it. You don't want to, you don't want to do. So I'm always a proponent of getting your nutrient, your nutrients through your nutrition. So, um, or in this case, being outside and, and getting it through being outside. So this is one of the other reasons I have such an issue with being told to stay in and stay home. I mean, there are actually states that I believe they've all opened up now, but there were states that had shut down. You weren't even allowed, like Florida, you weren't even allowed, some of the counties, you couldn't even walk on, maybe all of them, I don't know, but you're not even allowed to be on like the walking trails. Like they have trails like through the, through the, uh, the woods and things that you could just go walk. Um, you weren't allowed to do that. You weren't, even the beaches were shut down. Like I understand for crowds and whatnot, but, but just being able to walk along the beach and just soak up the vitamin D and then just the earthing, the grounding that happens, um, from walking bare feet on the beach. And so, um, it's one of the reasons that I just have such a problem with this, um, advice to shelter in place, stay home, avoid going out, avoid being around other people, um, you know, just stay at home. Because a lot of people interpreted that as just stay inside. Because many people, um, you know, depending on how you live and, you know, a lot of people, I, I talked to friends about this and they're like, well, they didn't say you have to stay inside, that you're not allowed outside. And I said, yeah, but that's, that's how you hear that. But imagine you're somebody that lives in New York City or you're somebody that lives in any metropolitan area or an area where you're in an apartment complex or um, a condo complex, and your only way to be outside is to be around other people because there's no, you can't, you can't be outside and not come in contact with people. You, that's the only way you're going to get any sunshine. And that is, there's a lot, a large population of our country that lives like that. And then those of us that don't, we can't understand why it's such a big deal to be told to stay at home, like big deal, go out on your back porch and, and get some sun. But there are a lot of people that do not have the ability. They don't have a back porch. They don't have a front porch. They don't have a lawn. They, you know, they don't have those things. So, um, so making sure that you are getting out in the sunshine every day is really going to help you with that vitamin D production and is going to be a huge immune booster. Okay. And then on to, um, there's two, uh, other nutrients that I want to mention, um, specifically um, zinc and magnesium. So two minerals that are really important for boosting immunity. So zinc boosts your immunity. There are there are just hundreds of studies about zinc in your immune system and how it's able to help your body. And um, specifically, it's <clears throat> excuse me. It's going to just make your system stronger. So while it's not specifically going, like any of these vitamins vitamins are, or minerals are not specifically gonna target COVID-19, it's just boosting your immune system, right? It's just making them, making it stronger. So zinc is needed to activate, or I'm sorry, activate the lymphocytes. So your T, again, your, your T cells, these are your white blood cells. It um, is necessary to activate those. You have to have zinc. So if we are zinc deficient, we're going to have a problem getting our body, you know, controlling and regulating these immune responses and getting our body to, to go into attack mode and get these infected cells. So, um, it's really important that we're able to do this. 
So of course, like the vitamins, I am going to prefer that you get zinc from a natural source from your nutrition is the best way to get it. And my absolute favorite way to get zinc is oysters. I am absolutely obsessed with oysters. I love them. I think I could about live on oysters, um, but they are an amazing natural soy, natural source, <laughs> excuse me, if I can talk, of zinc. Um, and let me jump over to my... Um, Oh, I've got my slides here. So some uh, oysters, of course, um, beef, lamb, nuts, chicken, pork, and spinach. Those are also some really great um, sources of zinc. Sorry, I had to pull up my slideshow here so I can take some of my notes off here and I don't have to try to keep everything in my head because <laughs> then I tend to forget things. Um, and then when it comes to zinc, I've done an episode on this before um, I don't remember what episode it was that I talked about supplementation, um, important supplementations for almost everybody. Zinc is included in that episode that I recorded um, because most people are actually zinc deficient. Um, I think it was uh, the last estimate I saw was about 2 billion people do not get enough zinc in their diet. So it's really important that you're getting enough zinc every day so you can keep replenishing those stores and make sure that you're keeping your immune system strong. Um, and one of the, uh, if you're going to supplement, and this is what I touched on, I go into a lot more detail, so I'm not going to go into detail on this one, but um, in that episode, I talked about zinc picolinate being the best source of zinc to get. So if you're going to supplement with zinc, because maybe you don't like to eat any of those things I mentioned, or you don't eat them enough, or you're worried that you're, um, that you may need a little bit more of a boost, or maybe you just want to, um, maybe you just want to add a little bit more, which I would suggest maybe taking about anywhere between five to 15 milligrams of a zinc picolinate. Um, it's definitely more absorbable than other forms of zinc, which like zinc citrate, zinc oxide, those are probably the ones that you're gonna find if you go to like the drugstore to just purchase a supplement off the shelf. You're gonna get a zinc citrate or a zinc oxide. And they are, um, you are not going to actually absorb much of that. So if you want the kind that you're really going to absorb, you need to look for the zinc picolinate and take between 5 and 15 um, milligrams of zinc picolinate daily, and that will help boost your immunity. Okay, and then, so that's really it for the, um, oh, there was, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to touch on the second um, mineral that I wanted to talk about, which is magnesium. So, excuse me, magnesium is actually really, really good for immune health overall um, because the for a lot of reasons but it's great for cell health and we need to have great cellular health because all, be, for all the systems in our body right not just immune cell health um, but but in the context of this conversation obviously we want our immune cells to be strong and to be in good health and magnesium is primarily stored in our immune cells it's actually stored in our mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of our cells. So we want to have plenty of magnesium in there, right? To be able to boost those mitochondria, be able to boost those, um, uh, those cells, like that's what we need. So, um, there are many, much like a lot of supplements, calcium and zinc and all these, magnesium also comes in many different forms. So it's bound to different things. Um, and the one that you're probably going to hear um, the most often, or, or often anyway, is, ma is magnesium citrate. Maybe not most often. Magnesium oxide might be the one you hear most, but or find most, like in the drugstore. But magnesium citrate is one of them, and that is bound with citric acid, obviously, citrate, citric, citric acid. So magnesium citrate. And um, that is going to be, it is a common... Uh, it is a common form. It's also the one, it is, it's a very bioavailable form of magnesium. So you're going to easily absorb it um, a lot easier than some of the other forms. Um, and this is, it's really good to take to be able to replenish the, these, your stores of magnesium because it is so well absorbed. However, um, it is like vitamin C, you're going to have a, you're going to hit a bowel tolerance on this. So, um, when you've taken too much, <laughs> um, you'll know it because you will have um, loose stools or you'll be going to the bathroom more often. So um, that's kind of how you'll 
notice that with magnesium. So there's many different kinds that you can take. There's also um, magnesium oxide, which I talked about. So magnesium oxide is not absorbed super well um, and is not, I would not suggest that to be a really good one that you're gonna take to help boost immunity because you don't absorb it super well. But with, with that version of magnesium or any magnesium that you're gonna take, really it's gonna come down to the person. So, um, you know, you can try these, any of these that you want, but again, I just wanna mention that magnesium oxide is not known to be um, super good at that. So one of, another good, a good version of it is magnesium chloride. Um, so the magnesium chloride is a good version, uh, again, for being well absorbed. Um, another pretty common um, magnesium form is going to be um, magnesium sulfate. So that's Epsom salt. So I know I tell you guys a lot on here, um, one of the great ways to mitigate stress is to soak in a hot bath with Epsom salt. So a lot of people will do that as well to soothe achy muscles, that type of thing. So um, I highly recommend magnesium sulfate in that form, the Epsom salt form to relax in, but I don't um, really advocate it any other way. So, so hopefully um, maybe you can add that in there, um, especially when we need to be reducing stress right now, that might be a good way to do it. There's also one of my favorite versions is called um, L-threonate. So the magnesium L-threonate, and that is um, very easily absorbed, does not have a lot of issues as far as um, the having the um, digestive issues or um, loose stool. However, it certainly can if you take with any of these, if you take, uh, you know, you kind of reach the tolerance level of them. But magnesium threonate has been linked to um, helping things like depression. And so in, again, in the time that we are in right now, when a lot of people are kind of struggling with depression and anxiety and that type of thing, then um, I definitely think that the l 3 8 version is a good version um, of magnesium to be taking at this time. Another one along those same lines is magnesium glycinate. So um, magnesium glycinate is formed from uh, it's linked to the amino acid glycine. And glycine is also super good for helping to restore gut health, um, which again is gonna help boost immunity um, because 80% of our immune system resides in our gut. In addition to that, we also produce um, many calming hormones. Many of our stress-related uh, hormones are feel-good hormones in our gut. So when we have healthy gut, um, then we are able to better produce those. So this particular um, magnesium compound, magnesium glycinate, is known for having calming properties um, uh, and is especially linked to reducing anxiety, depression, stress, and insomnia. So again, this might be a really good version of magnesium to be taking right now specifically. Um, it's also easily absorbed. And then if we are struggling, like many of us are, I know myself included, with the anxiety, little bit of depression here and there, um, this is another way to help mitigate that. So that's all I'm going to say on the magnesium for now. So we've covered reducing your uh, blood sugar. So you want to reduce the amount of sugar and simple carbs that you're bringing in so that we're not depressing our immune system uh, due to high blood sugar. Um, and then we want to make sure that we are bringing in plenty of vitamin C. Uh, and you can, you can mega dose that if you would like to help boost your immunity right now. Uh, vitamin A and vitamin D, which are both fat-soluble vitamins and are going to be best gotten from um, nature, so through your food and nutrition and through getting outside in the sunshine specifically for that um, amazing sunshine vitamin D. And uh, then we talked about zinc and magnesium, both really good for helping to boost cell health and the production of lymphocytes. Um, and they, those are your white blood cells and to be able to make sure that you are on point with producing all of those things. So the last couple of things that I want to talk about as it relates to your immune health is, um, a couple things. Number one, I wanted to touch on stress management. So probably more than ever, these two things that I'm going to talk about, which is going to be stress management and sleep are more important than ever. 
And there are two things that I think when we start studying nutrition and we're talking about nutrition and we're thinking about diet and we're thinking about those things, we kind of push sleep and stress to the side. We think that they don't mean as much. As long as we, we kind of think diet and exercise are number one and two, right? Like those are the top two things that we can do for whatever it is that we want to accomplish. And while they are very, very important, they really, I think if you don't have your stress and management in place and you don't have good rest, you're not sleeping well, then probably no matter how well you're eating and how good your exercise program is, you're not going to be firing on all cylinders. You're not going to be well. You're going to be fighting an uphill battle because if you can't regulate those other things, then it doesn't matter if you're getting all of these nutrients, you're just going to be depleting them because you're going to be in this constant stress state. And then if you're not sleeping, you're just going to be, you're not going to be able to utilize any of these things because you're never getting into that rest and digest mode where you can just overnight where you're sleeping. That's when all the repair is happening. That's when your body is healing and it's um, able to you know, work on all these things that it can't work on during the day when you're busy and you're digesting food and you're, you know, doing all these other things. Um, it, you have to be able to sleep to get these things done. So, um, I think stress and sleep are super, super important right now. So when it comes to stress, there are many ways that you can help to mitigate it, but I mentioned one already with the, um, Epsom salt bath. So taking an Epsom salt bath at night is a great way to relieve stress. Another good practical way to relieve stress is get out in the sunshine. So again, you're killing two birds with one stone. You get the vitamin D and you're helping to relieve stress. Um, taking a walk is a great way to relieve stress. Um, talking on the phone to a loved one or a family member that you can't be in contact with right now. Um, that's a great way. And let me tell you another great way. I, we had some friends over for a social distancing cocktail hour last night. Um, we live and we have um, a farm, we have 11 acres, and my the front of our house, we have a, a large courtyard and a huge front porch. And um, we were able to sit out there last night, uh, yesterday evening, kind of a happy hour time, uh, with our friends. We all, <laughs> we sat six feet apart or more, and uh, it was in couples, you know, we couples sat together and then we were all um, six to 12 feet apart. But we sat around in this huge huge circle in the middle of this patio, um, and had a, had our, um, uh, oh, why can I not think of it? The fire pit going, we have a gas, uh, fire pit in this patio, this courtyard. So we had that going and everyone brought their own drink and their own cups. So there was no exchanging of you know, nobody was picking up the same wine bottle or bourbon or whatever you want to, you want to indulge in. Um, everybody brought their own drinks and we were able to sit around. This is the first time we have gotten together with any of our friends, um, in like this. I mean, we, this is what we call our, our dinner club group. So we typically go out to dinner with them every month or every other month, one night a, a month. And, um, and we get together and we, we have dinner and we have fun. It's said wonderful. This is the first time we've gotten together with any of our friends like that, um, since this whole outbreak started, it was so good for the soul. You guys, I mean, just, just, it just made for that, for that two hours that we got to sit together and talk and laugh and just reconnect felt like everything was normal. It just, it felt like this whole um, COVID-19 thing was just, um, didn't even exist. You know, it was just completely off the radar for that couple of hours. And what it did to boost our, our um, happiness and just, you know, boost that, those feel-good hormones was extraordinary. Um, I mean, our friends were texting us the rest of the evening and even into this morning about how much better they felt and how bad they needed that. They didn't even realize how much they needed it. Um, so I just want to tell, I just want to encourage you that if you have a friend, um, or friends that you can get together with like that and, and just keep the, you know, the proper social distancing. Um, if you want to, you know, just have that, there's something about that face-to-face, -face, um, connection. And, and as everybody arrived, you know, they're like, oh, we, we should park the cars six feet apart too. You know, so they're being funny and parking their cars apart. And, and as everybody's arriving, you know, we would, we would all stand up and say, Hey, we're going to air hug you, you know, and blow you kisses. And, you know, there was no embracing or any of that, like we normally would, but we still 
felt the effects of just being face to face with our friends, just being in that same, just sharing the same air, even if it was outside air, but just, just, um, you know, just being in the same place, just, we sat in the sunshine. And so we were getting that boost of vitamin D and, um, and just laughing and talking. So laughing is so good at reducing stress. So I just want to encourage you to, to do something like that, you know, whether it's with one friend or, or two friends or, or some couples that you like to get together with, um, maybe with your spouse or your significant other, and just spend a little bit of time, um, you know, just realize that you can do it responsibly. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting that you have a big party and you have a bunch of people into your home and you serve them food and all this kind of stuff like maybe you used to do, but there's no reason you can't sit around and responsibly social distance, everybody bring, you know, BYOB and just have a conversation for a couple of hours. It was fantastic. Everybody left their kids at home. Our kids stayed inside and did their own thing. It was fantastic. So I wanna encourage you to do something like that. Um, uh, Laughing is super good at helping to reduce stress hormones and and being able to boost those feel-good hormones. So watching something funny, um, listening, telling jokes. My kids like to look up jokes and tell us jokes. Um, Just stuff like that. Make sure you're laughing every day. That's super good. And then as far as sleeping, um, some really great tips to help get sleep. Again, we go back to the Epsom salt bath. (laughs) Doing that before bed is a really great thing to do, maybe an hour, half hour before you go to bed. Um, Another great way to help make sure that you are getting adequate sleep and producing adequate melatonin to really get you into that deep sleep is to make sure that you are um, after sunset, keeping your lights dim in your house. So we have many of our lights are on dimmers or uh, we actually have red lights in our bedroom. So at night after sunset, we do not, we have an overhead light as well, but we do not turn that on. We only use our bedside lamps that are infrared red lights. Um, And so that helps to keep from suppressing the melatonin because if you have these um, light bulbs, like LED lights are specifically bad or fluorescence. So if you have typical light bulbs in your home, that is going to suppress your melatonin production and it's going to make it more difficult for you to get to sleep. It's also going to suppress melatonin and make it more difficult to get to sleep if you are watching shows right up till you go to bed. So I know I've been guilty of this as well in the past, but trying to shut off your screen. So this is laptops, handheld devices, phones, TVs, all of it, one to two hours before you go to bed. That will really help you be able to, um, the cortisol levels to come down and your melatonin to be able to produce, uh, you know, those levels to come up so that you can easily fall into sleep and get good sleep. Um, another thing that could be helpful is if you're one of those people that lay in bed at night, just thinking about all the things that you need to do tomorrow, which I am guilty of myself, and that causes you to just lay there and not be able to fall asleep. I would definitely suggest to you that you write your to-do list. So keep a notepad and a pen next to your bed. And before you go to sleep, before you even, you know, are planning to go to sleep, just take five minutes and write a to-do list for tomorrow. So write the things that you know you want to do. And then that literally signals to your brain that you've got it all written down. You're not going to forget anything. Everything's good. And you can go ahead and go to sleep now, worry about it tomorrow. So hopefully all these tips have helped you guys. And I hope that they just have you kind of thinking maybe a little bit differently, not just about the the coronavirus, this COVID-19 and this pandemic that we're kind of in the middle of right now, but, but you know, what are you going to do in the future to help protect yourself and your family. You know, what can you do? What things do you need to concentrate on? So instead of feeling like it's totally out of your control and there's nothing you can do, these are some practical tips and some practical steps you can take to help boost your immunity and really give yourself and your family the best fighting chance you can to um, combat this on your own and build those antibodies and be able to um, not worry about it anymore and just know that you're strong and you can handle this. All right. So before I go, I do want to mention if you feel like you need more support, especially during this time, if you're having um, a difficult time managing this, you you are having a difficult time maybe with knowing what to do every day or um 
if your nutrition's on point, what you should be doing, if your immunity's good, if you've got other systems, you know, is your blood sugar regulation good? Um, you know, what your adrenals look like? How is all that working for you? I would love to invite you to join my group coaching class. We get together every week for one hour on Tuesdays through a Zoom call. And that is a really awesome way that we are able to connect. All of my coaching clients, my group coaching clients get go through the NutriQ system. So they do a nutritional, a nutritional assessment questionnaire. They find out exactly how their blood sugar system is doing, exactly how their digestion is functioning, exactly what their immune system looks like. Is everything working the way it should be? And the things that aren't working the way they should be, I help give you practical tips and ways that you can implement lifestyle changes to help those systems that are struggling. So if you'd like to be a part of that group, you also get a free one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me every month, in addition to all the other ways that we connect through the group. So um, I would really love to have you join us, and I would love to be working with more people during this time to just help give you guys hope and give you guys the tips and um, things that you need to know to be able to just be as healthy as you can and really just live the best lifestyle you can. So if you're finding that you need that support or you just have more time on your hands right now and you're like, yeah, I would love to be able to join a call every Tuesday and just kind of feel like I'm not alone, then we'd love for you to join us. You can get more information on my website, www.jessicatai.com. You can also send me an email at jessicatai.com and uh, jessica at jessicatai.com is what I meant to say. <laughs> and I am happy to answer any questions for you or help you get signed up. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful week and I will connect with you guys again on the podcast in two weeks. Stay well, stay healthy, and I'll talk to y'all then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 